Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Iowa caucuses are just six days away. Whoa, six days away. What's going to happen? And uh, Chris Christie has no money. Big giant goose egg is what he has. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Great to have you with us. And... A lot to talk about with the Trump immunity case in the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals today. Are presidents immune from their actions as president? Here to discuss with us, Zach Smith joins the show. Zach is a legal fellow and manager of the Supreme Court and appellate advocacy program in the Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. Jack, thank you for joining. Zach, excuse me. Thank you for joining us here in Philadelphia. <laughs> Appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. My pleasure. So, first of all, give us the 30,000-foot view on what the question is before the court. Yeah, so essentially the question is, it's long been established a principle of constitutional law that presidents can't be prosecuted or held civilly liable for official actions they take while in office. And so Jack Smith obviously is bringing one of the several prosecutions against Donald Trump uh, for his efforts in the wake of the 2020 election. Essentially, Jack Smith is saying they violated the law. He's being prosecuted for that. Well, Donald Trump is saying that his actions after the 2020 election fell within the outer perimeter of his official duties. And as a result, he is immune from prosecution. And that is the issue uh, that the Court of Appeals heard arguments in today. And now this idea that you can hold presidents criminally liable and Trump brought up drone strikes. And I mean, I brought this up earlier as well. Uh, Barack Obama used drone strikes to kill American citizens while he was president. His argument was they were terrorists and he had the authority to do so. You know, what if you had a United States attorney who disagreed and said uh, there's no statute of limitations on murder? We're going to bring Obama before a federal uh, jury. I mean, it would be insane. But if the court says presidents don't have criminal immunity for their actions while they're in in office, office, I think this is going to be a situation where almost every president is going to wind up facing a federal jury at some point in the future. 
Yeah, that's certainly a concern. It's one of the major points that President Trump's lawyers made in court today that essentially, if presidents were not immune for their actions while in office, you get into this tip for tap situation. You know, what's good for the goose today is good for the gander tomorrow and was subject them to you know, many forms of prosecution potentially after they leave office. The other issue you brought up is the other aspect of this argument that Donald Trump's lawyers made today. They said, look, we're not saying that presidents cannot be held accountable for their actions while in office, but that the Constitution provides an explicit mechanism for doing so. Presidents have to be impeached. And if they're tried and convicted by two thirds of the Senate, they can be removed from office. And if they are impeached, tried and convicted and removed from office, then they can be criminally prosecuted. But without those first two steps, uh, the criminal prosecution cannot follow. Yeah, that's a great point. And if the Congress chooses not to impeach a president, that's Congress choosing not to bring charges, basically. And that's the end of it. If the, if the Congress impeaches the president and they have a trial in the Senate and the president's not convicted, uh, that's also uh, the end of it because Congress chose to not convict the president for the the offenses that they were he was he was charged with in the House, which, you know, brings up another point here, too, when you're involving due process. If you're going to argue that Trump has had due process like Colorado and Maine are arguing uh, by virtue of their states looking at this and determining the 14th Amendment. And I know that this is a separate issue, but nevertheless, right. I mean, the question really is, is all this going to go forward? Uh, wouldn't you, I mean, couldn't you make an argument that, yeah, Trump did have due process. He had it in the Senate. He had a trial and they found him not guilty. They acquitted him. So that's that's it. It's over. I mean, the situation is over. You, you, you can't now try him in, in a state court, even though it wasn't even really a trial. You can't do that because it, it, the Senate had the authority at the time and they acquitted Trump. Well, keep in mind, Rich, you know, ordinarily when we talk in criminal law, if someone is tried for an offense, they are acquitted for that offense, meaning they're found not guilty by jury of their peers, double jeopardy attaches. Our Constitution prohibits right. someone being tried twice for the same crime. And so in this sense, it's kind of an odd situation that you've already had Donald Trump, who has been tried by the Senate. That's what it is. It's a trial. It's by a different body than we typically think of as a jury pool. But the senators were essentially acting as a jury pool. They acquitted him of this conduct, of these charges. And yet now you have Jack Smith essentially trying to bring a federal criminal prosecution. As you mentioned, you have the uh, removal from the ballot in Colorado, the removal from the ballot in Maine, efforts in other states ongoing as well, uh, where Donald Trump has never been convicted of committing rebellion or insurrection. And in fact, the only quasi-judicial body to even consider those charges, the Senate during the impeachment trials, actually acquitted him of that conduct. And so I think these issues and others are you know, one of the many reasons that so many people are so uncomfortable with all of these uh, prosecutions, all of these lawsuits, all of these efforts to keep Donald Trump off of the ballot in 2024. Zach, if I could, I'd like to play a clip for you. This was uh, one of the big moments today during court. It's an exchange between the judge, Florence Pan, and Trump attorney D. John Sauer, where the judge asks a series of hypothetical questions involving a presidential assassination. Uh, I'd like to get your comments on that. Take a listen. But your position is that he can't be prosecuted for that unless he's impeached. That was as long as it's an official act. I mean, certain cases, purely private conduct under Clinton against Jones, he'd be subject to prosecution for that as long as he's not in office. But as long as it's official. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to seal Team 6? He he would have to be and would speedily be 
you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal what prosecution. If what if proceed. you weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that? Chief Justice's opinion in Marbury against Madison and uh, uh, and our constitutional tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked you a yes or yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team Six to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first, and so, so your answer is. Is, no. is, my answer is qualified. Yes, there is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. In these exceptional cases, as the OLC memo itself points out from the Department of Justice, you'd expect a speedy impeachment and conviction. But what the founders were much more worried about than using criminal prosecution to discipline presidents was what uh, James Madison calls in Federalist Number 47, the, you know, the, the newfangled and artificial treasons. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. And of course, that's exactly what we see in this case. Now, the judge went on to to summarize by saying, given that you're conceding that presidents can be criminally prosecuted under certain circumstances, doesn't that narrow the issues before us? All of your other arguments seem to fall away. Uh, Zach Smith is here from the Heritage Foundation. He joins me today to talk about this case. Zach, what are your thoughts on that exchange? Yeah, look, unfortunately, I think that was a judge trying to get a, a gotcha moment uh, with President Trump's lawyers. Uh, uh, judge Pan is a Biden appointee, a relatively recent Biden appointee to the Court of Appeals. Uh, but look, this goes back to what we were talking about before, Rich. You know, the question isn't whether or not a president will either be held accountable for his or her actions or not held accountable uh, for those actions. The question is, what is the appropriate mechanism? What's the constitutional mechanism for doing so? And I think John Sauer, who, by the way, is a phenomenal lawyer, former solicitor general in the state of Missouri, uh, he said that a prosecution could follow if the proper channels were followed, meaning that there was an impeachment, a trial, a conviction, and removal from office. And so without those uh, procedural requirements in place, President Trump's legal argument is that the prosecution uh, cannot move forward. Yeah, and I, and I, I agree with that analysis, because otherwise we get back to the Barack Obama drone strike problem. You know, the question of whether or not Obama really had the authority to to execute an American citizen without due process, without a trial and absentia, with, with, without anything like that. I mean, we, we get we get into that problem of looking back on this and saying you exceeded your authority because this person wasn't really a terrorist. It turns out, you know, uh, you were wrong about that. Or even if he was a terrorist, that's your opinion. He's still in, he's still innocent under the eyes of the law. You don't have the right to just kill him. You know, if 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 if, if Congress wanted to take that up at the time and say Obama exceeded his authority, that would have been more than appropriate to go back now and say, I think you're guilty of murder and we're going to charge you as such would be insane. And I mean, I, it would just, the entire system would fall apart. Presidents would wind up and, and, and who knows where this would stop. You know, if a president, uh, you know, could could Bush be charged with with uh, torture? I mean, you know, how like how far do we go with this? And that's why if it doesn't happen during the years he's president, 
then you just have to say that that was Congress not believing it rose to the level of impeachment. That's that's how I would I would look at this. And certainly now the argument's going to be made. Well, what if Congress didn't have all the details? What you know? What if what if something came to light after the president left office, and so therefore Congress had no way to adjudicate the matter? Zach Smith, what would your answer be to that? Look, I think one of the reasons we're seeing all of these new legal issues, very consequential legal issues being brought before courts today, and eventually they're going to make their way up to the Supreme Court if they haven't already, is that these types of prosecutions, these types of lawsuits, these types of efforts to keep a leading candidate off of the ballot in the Colorado and Maine instances, they've never taken place before. Because for so many years, really going back to the founding of our republic, uh, you know, Political leaders on both sides of the aisle have recognized, again, what you're saying, Rich, that if you engage in these types of tactics, uh, they're going to be used against you at some point in the future. And unfortunately, uh, the Biden Justice Department and others on the left have seemingly disregarded uh, that very wise advice, have moved forward with these cases, these prosecutions. And so now I think it highlights why many of the procedural safeguards that are in place are so very important, because if not, uh, yeah, I think that is a very real concern uh, that the president will be unable uh, to adequately do his or her job in the future. Last question for you. In terms of timing of this, does this judge, uh, does she rule by herself on this? Does the entire circuit have to weigh in? And then ultimately it's going to probably wind back at the Supreme Court. But how does this play out in terms of a ruling? Yeah, so keep in mind, Jack Smith, uh, he wants this to take place as quickly as possible. His goal, I think, is pretty clear is to get to trial well in front of the 2024 election. Uh, Donald Trump lost at the district court, the trial court level. Jack Smith went straight to the Supreme Court. He tried to bypass the D.C. Court of Appeals, where this argument was heard today, in an effort to speed up a resolution. The Supreme Court justices said, no, we're not going to take it. That's not the ordinary course of business. And so they left it with the Court of Appeals. This is a three-judge panel. Uh, the three-judge panel will have to confer. They'll have to take a vote. They'll have to write an opinion. That could take some time. Then two things can happen. Either uh, whoever loses can ask the entire D.C. Circuit to hear the case, which I doubt will happen, or they can go straight to the U.S. Supreme Court and ask the U.S. Supreme Court uh, to take up and hear this case. And I think, again, Jack Smith wants this case to be resolved very quickly in an effort to get to trial before the uh, upcoming election, which I think is very difficult at this point. And I think Donald Trump uh, wants the issues to be aired uh, as fully and completely as possible. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, if, if the court comes back and says Trump does not have immunity, Trump's going to appeal that to the Supreme Court. Uh, I imagine that the Supreme Court is going to is going to hear that case, no question about it. If the court comes back and says the president's presidents do have immunity, obviously the government's going to appeal that. Jack Smith, the special counsel, no relation to you, Zach Smith. I want to point that out. Is going no, to appeal. I appreciate that. that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Of course, yeah, uh, he's going to appeal that to the Supreme Court. Of course, the Supreme Court may not may not listen to that appeal, and then in which case then that that judgment would stand. So uh, we shall see how all this goes, but it seems like his dream of getting Donald Trump on trial prior to Super Tuesday uh, from a timing perspective is probably not going to play out here. Yeah, I think that's right. Obviously, I think he would still at some point probably like to get Donald Trump to trial uh, before the election if Donald Trump uh, becomes the nominee, as you know, he's doing very well in the polls right now. Uh, but look, you're right. The Supreme Court is already hearing two cases this term that implicate directly or indirectly issues surrounding Donald Trump. And I think whatever happens in this case, whatever the judges decide, the justices are likely going to be asked to weigh in on this very important issue as well. 
And I said last question, but I lied. One more question. If the, <laughs> if the court comes back and says Trump has immunity as president, does the entire Jack Smith prosecution go away? No, I think the justices will be asked to intervene uh, in that case. If the immunity decision is upheld, at least this specific prosecution in D.C. related to the aftermath of the 2020 elections, uh, I think would be significantly uh, hobbled, almost to the point of being non-existent uh, going forward. Zach Smith, appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. We'll have you on again. And thanks for the great work you do at the Heritage Foundation. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Good to be on with you. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All right, ready to lose some weight, ready to get in shape, ready to look your best? Well, NJ Diet can help you. NJ Diet can do that for you because NJ Diet is all about losing weight contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days guaranteed. No shots, no hormones, no prepackaged foods, no surgery. Come on. You don't want to be taking shots for the rest of your life, do you? Of course not. So lose weight once and for all and keep it off with NJ Diet. They use your hair, saliva samples, DNA to figure out a plan that works specific to your biochemistry. And then the weight loss is guaranteed in writing 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. And you will keep it off too. That's the best part about it. And there's a location nearby you today or call 855-5NJ-DIET. 855-5NJ-DIET or go to njdiet.com. You can do this. This is your time. This is the year everybody makes their resolutions about losing weight. But a lot of times you don't really have a plan. You don't have a game plan. Don't make that game plan be shots or hormones. No, do it the all natural way, the right way, the contract guaranteed way njdiet.com and lose the weight for good call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game you have 47 new voicemails Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Alrighty, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here today on a uh, Tuesday afternoon. With rain coming. King Philip the Unaccountable. His royal rugness has already declared a state of emergency exists. So be careful out there. Uh, the governor's also giving his state of the state address today. So I'm sure we'll have lots of horns and trumpets for tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll look into all that for you as well. On the federal level, of course, we have this uh, this whole Iowa caucus thing coming up, the New Hampshire primary. Nikki Haley is now apparently within striking distance of Donald Trump, but Chris Christie has 12%. So if Chris Christie were to get out and assuming that his anti-Trump position this entire time has led to every person backing him who just hates Trump's guts, 
theoretically, then, if he were to give his support to Nikki Haley, you could make a plausible argument that Haley then would pick up Chris Christie's support. In which case, then, she's a lot closer to Trump in New Hampshire than Ron DeSantis is. In which case, then, it's very obvious, then, that Ron DeSantis has to save his uh, his political reputation for 2028. And I think that the, the way this plays out could go one of two ways. But I think the big the big thing is that we're looking at this is ultimately going to be a two-person race. I think people thought originally it was going to be DeSantis versus Trump. It's not going to be DeSantis versus Trump. It's going to be it's going to be Trump versus Haley. Christie will throw his support to Nikki Haley. DeSantis will throw his support to Trump because he's got to recognize at some point that if he does not if he does not get out of this race, he can't he, he can't he can't win. I mean, again, I like the guy. I think he's a great governor. I think he's he's got he's probably the front runner. Probably the front runner uh, for 2028 for the Republicans, but if it, but if he stays in this longer, he's going to wind up causing so much damage that Trump voters will never ever back him. So at some point, he's got to just get off the pot. You know what I mean? In which case, then it's going to be a two person race, and it's already starting to get ugly between Haley and and Trump, as you can imagine. Democrat voters in New Hampshire are registering as Republicans to stop Trump, supposedly. Uh, since the Democrat primary in that state is is ruined because uh, there's not going to be a primary. So the, apparently that's what's happening. And they're they're voting for they're supporting Nikki Haley, according to some rumors that are out there. And this is uh, some audio on that situation. This is from the Wall Street Journal podcast. New Hampshire voter Talia Flores speaks at Wall Street Journal's Ryan Knutson. Explains that because she can't vote for her preferred candidate, Joe Biden, she has changed party affiliation. Biden did not file to run in the New Hampshire primary because he's not a real candidate. So anyway, this is what she said here. Cut number four. One of those frustrated voters is Thalia Flores, who you heard from at the start of the episode. After years of voting with the Democrats, this year, Thalia says she's switching things up. I decided several months ago that I thought, you know what, if my vote as a Democrat, isn't really going to change things, then I'm going to vote in the Republican primary and at least try to get a candidate that I can respect and that I can live with, as opposed to Donald Trump. Fascinatingly, after going to all the Republican candidates' town halls and meeting all of them, I actually came to like Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. Now, I don't agree with them on every policy so remember I told you the other day that there's a lot of theory out there that the Democrats are, they'd be okay with Nikki Haley. Like let's say, for example, the whole thing with uh, with the switcheroo doesn't, doesn't happen. You know, Biden's just too stubborn. They can't get the guy out of the race. And the Michelle Obama thing is not going to pan out. And they know that they're stuck with Kamala Harris. And so it's going to be Biden. But they know he's going to lose it, it, to Trump. So Democrats could live with Nikki Haley. She'll keep the war in Ukraine going. They'll be okay with that. I told you that theory the other day. And this voter proves that. She says, I like Nikki Haley. I like Chris Christie. I can live with them. So I'm going to vote for them and try to help them win. This is something like Rush talked about years ago, Operation Chaos. Remember that? Remember Operation Chaos when Rush talked about Republicans registering as Democrats in these primaries to try to stop? Um, I guess it was Obama at the time. You remember Operation Chaos very well. Well, this is sort of similar to that. You know, Democrats now, since there is not a primary on their side, and many of these states let you change your party affiliation or just vote for whoever you want, they may be doing Operation Chaos. 
hoping that if if Nikki Haley becomes a nominee, they could live with that. You know, if they they could they if if Haley winds up beating Joe Biden, they can they'll live with this. The deep state will be okay with that. She'll keep the war in Ukraine going. She's not going to make any big sweeping changes, and most importantly, she's not Donald Trump. So they're they, they can they would probably be just fine with that. The same with Chris Christie too, but obviously that's not going to happen. So when I told you the other day that the Republican establishment was backing Nikki Haley, I was right. And I've been telling you that for a while. But in addition to that. It's not just the Republican establishment. You have to wonder now if the Democrat establishment is behind this, too. And it's not just some random voter uh, on a podcast named Talia Flores. It's actually an organized effort by the Democrat Party to get Nikki Haley to be the nominee. Remember, they thought Trump was the easy one to beat. They believed that they could beat Trump. So they did everything to prop him up. Everything. All these legal actions are about making Trump the nominee. Except now they realize that that's blown up in their face, that Trump's going to win. So now the deep state, the masters of the universe, the commanders of both parties, of the giant uniparty in D.C., they've turned around and they went, okay, we got a problem here. we got a big problem. This guy is going to win. We're going to be stuck with him for another four years. And this time around, it's like Jaws to the revenge. This time it's personal. He's going to come after us. So we have to stop him. So what do we do? Well, Biden can't win. Can we swap him out? No. Why not? Well, because Michelle Obama doesn't really want to do it. And uh, we can't we can't go with Kamala Harris. And we got a woke problem if we just dump her. So we're stuck. What do we do? Well, then get behind Nikki Haley. Get behind Nikki Haley and then know that at least Nikki Haley is going to play it safe. She's not going to go in there and, and, and dismantle the deep state. She's not going to get out of Ukraine. You'll all make your money in the Ukraine war. Don't worry about it. And in fact, she may even get, uh, start some new wars. You know, she'll 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 be good with trade. You know, she loves the globalist stuff. You, you'll be good. And you have to wonder now how much of that is actually being organized by the Democrat Party. Is, is it is it really just a random Democrat voter who just came up with this idea on her own, you know, sitting around one day in her house in New Hampshire thinking, you know what, since I don't really have anyone to vote for, I'll try to help get Nikki Haley the nomination. Really? Because it sounds to me like maybe this might be a, just a little bit more organized than we think. And Haley is not holding back. She is going after Trump big time. Now, I was asked a question today. Do you think that Trump would ever pick her as his VP? Uh, I hope to God, no. I hope not after the way she's acting here. But I think that Trump supporters would be very upset. They would still they would still vote for him. But I think they'd be upset. And I hope it doesn't happen that way. But Nikki Haley is not. I don't think she's trying to run here to be vice president. I mean, I think that it's very obvious now. She's got the support of the establishment, maybe both establishments. And she is just going to go after Trump now, full speed ahead. Will Chris Christie drop out prior to New Hampshire, send his support her way? Maybe she can pull off a win in New Hampshire, throw the whole thing into chaos. Chris Christie is all about Chris Christie. Like most politicians, he's all about himself, right? So the question is, what, what deal will be struck? Does he want to be chief of staff? Does he want to be her running mate? But he knows that it's over. I mean, after New Hampshire, he's got 12%. He's not going to win New Hampshire. He's, his campaign has already said, much like in 2016, New Hampshire, is it's live or die. That's it. You don't go. To, you don't win New Hampshire. It's over. Well, he can't win New Hampshire. He's not going to win New Hampshire. He he knows that. So now it's about what, how do how do I leverage myself? How do I position myself to come out of this as a kingmaker? In 2016, he decided to stay until New Hampshire. And then he quickly after that backed Trump. 
But this time around, it's a much different world. If he really wants to be on Team Haley, Team Haley's probably reaching out to him right now and saying, look, you got two options here. You either lose in New Hampshire and Nikki loses in New Hampshire too, or you throw your support to her now and she has a chance of beating Trump. Now, by the way, I don't think she still beats Trump. I think Trump still wins New Hampshire, but obviously anything's possible. Politics is the art of the possible. I still think he wins New Hampshire. I still think Trump's going to be the nominee. But I'm telling you right now, from having been in these conversations in the past, not now, I'm not in any any conversations now with any any candidates whatsoever, but having been in those conversations in, in, in the past, that's what's being said. Haley's people are calling Christie's people, and they're talking to guys like Mike Duhame, who's Christie's top guy, and they're saying to him, here's the deal. She's got a shot. She's within striking distance. Christie's nomination makes it an even playing field with Trump. And then if she wins New Hampshire... He's golden. She can go all the way. This is what they're telling him. And you are going to be right there. What do you want? What is it going to take for you to throw your support behind her? And he'll, he'll, as long as, as long as they promise him whatever he wants, he's a pragmatic politician. He's probably going to do that. Does that mean Nikki Haley really wins New Hampshire? I don't think so. But she may come close. I mean, she may be close enough where then the establishment doubles down and maybe now then the Democrat establishment that may be holding back might double down even more. And so the whole double secret probation thing may be happening where both establishments now have said, all right, this is our chance to come together. You know, the uh, Mike Lee always says it's a law firm of, of McConnell and Schumer and you know, he always makes the joke about the uniparty. Well, the uniparty comes together and says, all right, look, Biden may win, Biden may lose, Haley may win, Haley may lose. We can live with either one of these two. So let's just figure this out. How do we make her the nominee? How do we do it? And maybe we put it over the top. If he if he's a doddering old fool and we're going to be stuck with Kamala Harris, maybe we just maybe we just back her. I wouldn't be surprised if those conversations are happening. Because politics is all about Remember, I told I've told you this before. Even though you turn on the TV and you think everybody in D.C. hates each other, they don't hate each other. They all get along. They all go to the Capitol Grill together. They all get their steaks and their martinis and they all hang out. They're all buds. They're all buddies and besties. And so they can live with anything as long as they keep as long as the money keeps coming in. They're fine with it. You know what I mean? They're okay. They can live with anything. But here's Haley ripping Trump at a town hall. Cut number three. Look, I think President Trump was the right president at the right time. I agree with a lot of his policies, but rightly or wrongly, chaos follows him. And y'all know I'm right. Chaos follows him. And we, we can't be a country in disarray and the world on fire and go through four more years of chaos. We won't survive it. You don't fix Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. That's her argument going into New Hampshire. Now, remember, in all of this, uh, the New Hampshire Attorney General's office is warning the Democrat National Committee over voter suppression. In the midst of all of this that's happening right now, New Hampshire's Attorney General is warning the DNC over voter suppression after the party lambasted the primary. A DNC committee previously called the state primary detrimental and meaningless, drawing a rebuke from the New Hampshire Attorney General's office. And what he's saying right now is he's saying that the Democrat National Committee is engaging in unlawful voter suppression after the National Party dismissed the state's upcoming primary as meaningless. 
Assistant Attorney General Brendan O'Donnell fired off a cease and desist order to the DNC, saying that instructing state Democrats to educate the public that the primary is meaningless violates the state's voter suppression laws. The state warning comes after the DNC's Rules and Bylaws Committee scolded New Hampshire Democrats for selecting delegates for the National Convention this past weekend. Now, again, maybe they did that so that voters could switch to be Republican and then vote in the primary for Nikki Haley. Uh, Nothing would surprise me at this point in life. This is the big story of the day today. It's brought to you by Venaria Dental. My buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, get the smile that you deserve with VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. By the way, uh, Aaron Rodgers has said he is not going to apologize to Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel wants an apology after Aaron Rodgers suggested, joking, that uh, Jimmy Kimmel could be on the list, the Epstein list. He joked about the Epstein documents to be released and said there's a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, that are really hoping that doesn't come out. So Kimmel lost it, threatening lawsuits, and he melted down. And last night he attacked Aaron Rodgers in in a scathing monologue. Aaron Rodgers today came out and said he will not apologize to somebody on ABC. That was his answer today. Aaron Rodgers said that. And, of course, it's only going to infuriate Jimmy Kimmel even more. He said, quote, I don't have any apologies, not for that guy from ABC. That's what Aaron Rodgers said today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. What do you think, Henry? The Epstein list. Does Aaron Rodgers owe Jimmy Kimmel an apology? Uh, Probably not, no. Nah, right? I mean, he he made a joke. Jimmy got a little hurt over it, and I don't know. I think it's an overreaction on Jimmy Kimmel's part. Also, we speculated as well on this show about people mm-hmm. and that happens and then the other thing too that i want to remind everybody of is that uh jimmy kimmel was pals with like he like, was like hanging around with epstein chef yeah it was adam perry lang right they both shared i guess the same personal chef although obviously yeah. epstein had him uh first so that's kind of weird right i'm sure well that's obviously what aaron Rodgers was referencing so i, I don't really understand how jimmy kimmel could actually file a lawsuit expecting to win yeah, there's an old saying that is uh, Ophelia doth protest too much, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, like he's nice. he's he's taking this way too far. I think he's screaming like a lot, you know. Well, a nice eight minute monologue, you know. Yeah, it was an eight minute monologue going after uh, Aaron Rodgers last night. Plus, it was clearly a joke. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's on the Pat McAfee show, like, come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> it's not exactly hard news on the yeah. Pat McAfee show. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel's just annoying. Jimmy Kimmel is annoying, and I don't find him funny. And it's amazing how he is, has not been canceled for being on The Man Show. Yeah, he wore blackface on that show. He wore blackface. They used to have the uh, women dancing on, uh, jumping on trampolines, remember? Yes, I do. And uh, they would drink beer, and they would, they would make all kinds of sexist jokes. Adam Carolla. Adam Carolla has never had to apologize, because Adam Carolla does not pretend to be something he's not. Jimmy Kimmel made this big, like George Stephanopoulos, and when ABC hired him, he suddenly became this woke guy, you know? Um, but that's, that's where he started. And he doesn't, he's okay. Like, they don't bring that up. His past never comes up, which is interesting. So He does seem to get a free pass. He does, right? I think it's, uh, to your point, it's almost certainly just because his politics align with everyone else in Hollywood. If he were more conservative, um, I'm certain he would would have been canceled by now. 
Let's think about it. The man show back on Comedy Central in the day, which was a very funny show. Uh, they would sit in barca loungers and they would drink beer and they would watch women do sexy things and they would make jokes. And the two guys who hosted it were Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel. Adam Carolla hosts one of the most popular conservative podcasts in the country. He's done stuff with Dennis Prager. He's been a uh, he's been you know he's huge, but he's never changed his political beliefs. He's also uh, the star of that new Daily Wire cartoon, Mister Bertram, I think, which is oh, coming that's right. out yes later this month. So he's doing he's doing stuff with uh, with, with with that, which is which is a big deal. In other words, there is zero point zero chance. Adam Carolla would ever be asked to host a show on ABC. Zero point zero. Oh yeah, no chance. Absolutely no chance. Not. And so that that's what I mean. It's like you know, Jimmy Kimmel. The, his, his politics align now. So there you go. Boom. That's done. He's okay. They'll pretend like the man show never happened. Adam Carolla. No chance in hell. Never. If Jimmy Kimmel dropped dead tomorrow. And I'm not hoping for that. I'm just saying, if he were to drop dead tomorrow, it's not going to be, we'll get his old co-host Adam Carolla to host the show. (laughs) Yeah, there's absolutely no chance that would ever happen. Jimmy Kimmel is safe and unfunny. Adam Carolla is not safe and is funny. They're all unfunny and safe. No, Adam Carolla is genuinely funny, I think. Well, I'm not saying Carolla. I I mean, like, the ones who actually have, like, a show on, like, a major network. Oh yeah, they're all like you mean those late night shows. Yeah, they're all hyper politicized. They're just about as irrelevant as like award shows. Like, who cares about those? They're not funny. They're, they're not, not funny. Like the Golden Globes, that guy bombed. Oh, he's getting a Joe ton Floyd. of backlash now for that joke he made about um, Taylor Swift, and I don't understand how it was but even was remotely it, offensive. It wasn't about Taylor Swift. It was about the NFL. I agree. I don't yeah. understand why anyone would. I have the clip if you if you want to hear it real quick, Rich. Yeah, let's let's see. Because I did not watch that stupid award show. And who's the guy that hosted? Joe Coy. I don't even know who that is. He's a comedian that evidently isn't all that funny, but he's getting a ton of backlash because he made a joke supposedly at Taylor Swift's offense, uh, at, at Taylor Swift's expense. Um, oh. Here it is. You can judge whether or not it's offensive to Taylor Swift. Okay. As you know, we came on after a football doubleheader. Uh, the big difference between the Golden Globes and the NFL, on the Golden Globes, we have fewer camera shots of Taylor Swift. I swear. There's just more to go to. Here. Sorry about that. So he's getting in trouble for that stupid joke? Apparently it was offensive. And uh, Taylor Swift, if you see the video clip, she looks so angry that she was like sort of mocked uh, she did not play along at all and then all of the swifties i guess saw her uh, sour reaction and they all duplicated it on social media so now oh. this poor guy's in trouble for that joke which is so it's such that a tame joke, joke. He, just, he just stunk it wasn't it, funny i i feel bad for him though because apparently he only had he was booked to host 10 days before the show oh really that's yeah that's insane that's that's insane because another thing too when you think about it not only is this guy not funny that joke is so lame it doesn't even make fun of taylor swift it makes fun of the coverage of her at football games yeah i agree how does it even make fun of taylor swift is my question i don't know but she looks so angry in the clip and again yeah, well the swifties just sort of duplicated that exact same um uh, reaction Oh, the Swifties. I hate them. <laughs> Stop saying that. We're going to be next. I don't care. We, we love Taylor Swift. We think we she's wonderful. We love Taylor Swift. I walked downstairs today. My <laughs> wife was playing Taylor Swift. I said, what are you doing? 
What? Why are you playing Taylor Swift? What? What are you seven? The Swifties are gonna come for you, Rich. Fine. They've already come for Joe Coy. You could be next. Fine. Bring it on, Swifties. <laughs> I trust the Zioli Army will battle the Swifties with in with no problem whatsoever. There's too many of them. I don't know how many Swifties listen to conservative talk radio. Yeah, I got to be honest. I can't imagine there's a lot of crossover there. They're not the only like too is that if you're a Swifty uh, and you listen to this show, you have a sense of humor, whether you like Taylor Swift or not. That's probably true. I don't know. You know what I think? I think people should throw cheeseburgers at her. She's too skinny. <laughs> That's the problem. I wish people would throw cheeseburgers at me. I enjoy a free cheeseburger. Yeah, I bet you'd like that. <laughs> yeah, you'd like that, wouldn't you? Would you like an undercooked uh, bat burger? I'll pass on that. <laughs> With a uh, side of pangolin fries I, and a raccoon I, dog aioli? Yeah, no? I had, a, I had a big lunch, so uh, no thank you. Very generous no, that's of a you shame. Also, though. You're missing out. Because speaking of undercooked bat burgers, Asanto Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, uh, flip-flop during Congress grilling, the ex-White House doc ducked more than 100 questions about COVID and admits he approved the risky Wuhan coronavirus research proposal without reading it. I'll share you the details of that straight ahead. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Planes are grounded after that door plug blew out. I'll get into that with you. But there's some breaking news uh, around Hunter Biden wanted to share with you courtesy of the uh, New York Post. So apparently Hunter Biden knew all the people that bought his crappy art. I know. We're all surprised by this, right? We're all shocked. We're shocked to find this out. According to uh, the New York Post, despite all the claims by Hunter Biden that and the art dealer that it was a whole process and they didn't they didn't have anything for Hunter to know who was buying the artwork and blah, 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 blah. Hunter Biden knew most of his art buyers, despite the phony Fugazi ethics plan, and this directly contradicts the White House, according to the art dealer. First son, Hunter Biden's Manhattan art dealer shared details Tuesday about purchasers uh, of the first son's novice crappy artwork while contradicting the White House's claim that officials brokered an ethics arrangement to keep buyer identities anonymous to prevent corruption. George Burgays said that Hunter actually knew who bought about 70% of his crappy art, including Elizabeth Hirsch Naftali, whom the dealer revealed purchased works by the first son both before and after, scoring a prestigious appointment from President Biden. Hirsch Naftali, who scored repeated visits to the White House during the time frame in question, inked a $42,000 sale in February 2021 before her appointment that July by Joe Biden to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad and then another for $52,000 in December of 2022. Berger also confirms that the first son was, was aware that Hollywood lawyer Kevin Morris who met Hunter at a political fundraiser in December 2019 before bankrolling his tax payments and living expenses was his top patron, buying $875,000 worth of art in a January 2023 deal. The White House's ethics agreement regarding Hunter Biden's art was a sham. The White House never facilitated any agreement despite saying the opposite to the public. 
George Bergays stated that he never had any communication with the White House about an agreement about Hunter Biden's crappy art and admitted Hunter Biden knew the identities of the individuals who purchased roughly 70 percent of his crappy art. The White House did not immediately offer comment on Berger's testimony, which is expected to continue through the afternoon. It was not immediately clear if the art dealers uh, comprehensively provided provided buyer information after previously refusing to do so. He told committee members that during the closed-door deposition that Hollywood producer Lynette Phillips, who has hosted fundraisers for the elder Biden, introduced Hunter to Berger. Hunter has earned millions of dollars while his father was vice president in deals that, of course, the focus of the House Republican-led impeachment inquiry reportedly sold at least $1.3 million in art as of this past July. You know, most first-time artists make millions of dollars. They do. The term starving artist is a myth. Every person who begins as an artist gets rich just like that. True. I mean, it's true. It's true. Everyone you know who's an artist is rich. Everyone. It's true. True. Look it up. Uh, The Post previously reported that Hunter sold five prints for $75,000 each. He would blow paint through a straw. And that would, and he he would, you know, spit it and would land on a canvas. And they'd sell that for like a half a million dollars. The Picasso of our time had nothing to do with his father being president. Hunter sold five prints for $75,000 each, totaling $375,000 at an October 2021 Hollywood art show that controversially was attended by then-L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti, President Biden's then-nominee, to be ambassador to India. I'm sure nobody went to that with the idea that they could curry favor with either the president's son or the future ambassador to India. Unbelievable. Uh, Nancy calling the show today. Uh, Hello, Nancy from Philadelphia. How are you today, my dear? Good, Rich. Long time no speak. Why Um, is that, Nancy? Why have you not called me sooner? Well, that's a long story, Rich. All right. As long (laughs) as everything's okay. Yes. I really wish that every time um, people spoke about the many uh, political lawsuits against Trump, that they would also highlight the fact that the prosecutors have access to and are using unlimited amounts of our tax dollars to fund those prosecutions. Yeah. Oh, no question about it. I mean, remember how much the Mueller report cost, too? Don't forget all that. Yeah. Of course. And, And all of the impeachments and all of the investigations and everything else. So our tax dollars are being used by a political party to go against a political party that we may support. It's an excellent point you raise, Nancy, and uh, I hope people remember that because uh, what the, you know the government doesn't run out of money, it doesn't run out of time, doesn't have to look for new clients. Their attorneys can use your taxpayer dollars however they like, and there's no ramifications for it. And it's a damn shame. Correct. It really is. Correct. Well, thank you, Nancy. Have a wonderful day, and I appreciate the call. Thank you. All right, 855-839-1210. Quick check-in on social media by our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. Uh, Let's see. uh, Bob Bob, uh, uh, Gillis reminds us that Jimmy Kimmel used to have young girls in tight sweaters jump on trampolines. That is correct. Absolutely about that. And uh, Dusty Diamond sent out a clip of a very, very funny man show bit that they did, which was a kid selling beer. 
and was hysterical. Absolutely. Fred's sister-in-law says, uh-oh, Zioli Army versus Swifties. We have actual weapons. Just saying she's just kidding. Please. We don't need any more insurrections. All right. Thank you for our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo for doing the social media check-in. We do that throughout the show. I want to remind you, February 7th is our big event with author Terry Hayes. His new book, The Year of the Locust, is unbelievable. What an outstanding, amazing, truly riveting thriller. You are going to love it. So join us. To get tickets, go to TalkRadio1210's website, 1210WPHT.com. I have a link on Twitter. There's a link in our show Facebook page. And get your ticket. Me and Terry Hayes together. It's at Bryn Mawr. Uh, We'll have a great night together, February 7th. You don't want to miss it, all right? So please do that. And I also want to tell you about my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, because he is a great dentist, and he is the master of dental implants. I'm going to see him very soon for my annual, you know, my, my biannual checkup or uh, is it biannual? Wait, twice a year, whatever it is. He's my doctor. He really is my dentist. People ask him all the time. Does Rich really come here? Yes, I really go there. And my whole family does as well. And Mama Zioli discovered him. This is your chance to give yourself the ultimate gift, which is a beautiful smile. A million-dollar smile, it's not going to cost you a million bucks. Dr. Venaria has two offices to serve you, Cinnamonson and Woodbury. And he's right over the bridge. And when it comes to complicated dental implants, there's simply nobody better. If you've had an estimate, please get a second opinion with my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Pediatric, general cosmetic dentistry, pain-free root canal treatment if necessary, uh, cosmetic dentistry, and of course, complicated dental procedures. That's his specialty. So you deserve a beautiful smile. What are you waiting for? Reach out to him today. Go to VenariaDental.com, V-A-N-A-R-I-A, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 